Tamot of Kufhe Amud Aleph, challenging Hashem's decrees, Gzadin Shiyeshimor Shvua. I mentioned a little while ago that Charles Darwin was perplexed by the fact that human beings sometimes do things that are against their interests. Sometimes human beings will do uh, amazing things for other, for other people, and it's not really in the interests of their own survival. And as you know, Charles Darwin explained the survival of the species with the principle of, of survival of the, of the fittest. So that survival instinct is responsible for uh, the, the, those species that have survived and thrived over the, uh, over the millennia. Uh, and he writes over 200 years ago, he who was ready to sacrifice his life, as many a savage has been, rather than betray his comrades. So that's an act of... Of, of mysterious nefesh. You, you can have a savage who, instead of betraying his comrade, would give his life. And such a person would often leave no offspring to inherit his noble nature. So he has a cash, he has a question, Charles Darwin. What, what would drive a person, a savage, to, for the sake of loyalty, which is a value, to give his life? To be most a nefesh for a, for a principle, for a value. He didn't have the means with which to explain that. And the truth is that since that time, the last 200 years, there still hasn't been a satisfactory explanation as to why people would do things that, that don't per perpetuate their own survival. On the contrary, uh, they, they do the opposite. And in today's Matmon, we'll have an understanding of how that works and, and what that is. Uh, Hashem is really angry at the sons of Eli. Eli is the Kohen in the time of, Sh of the Shmuel is born. Uh, the sons of Eli cheapen the Avoido. They deal with, with, the, with the Avoido in a cheap way, with the service of Hashem in the Mishkan in a cheap way. They served in the Mishkan in Shiloh. And Hashem says to, to Eli, uh, through a Nevoah to Shmuel Hanavi, when Shmuel is very young, on that day, I will fulfill what I said to, to the house of Eli, um, to Eli that, that, that I've spoken to him and, and his house to completely destroy them. And I will tell him that I am judging his family forever. Because he knew that his sons were not treating the avoider respectfully and he didn't intervene. A parent is responsible to intervene. If a parent intervenes and the child doesn't do anything about it, then there comes a point where the, child, the parent is no longer responsible. But if a parent tolerates bad behavior from a child, that bad behavior links to the parent. That becomes the parent's bad behavior. And so I've taken a vow to the house of Eli. That the sin of the house of Eli will not be able to be atoned for. No sacrifice, no korban is going to be able to undo the, uh, the vow that I'm taking to punish the family of Eli forever. That's how the Rebbe responds to uh, corruption in, in high places. Of uh, particularly of of Avodas Hashem, so our Gemara says, "Omer Rav Shmuel Bar Ami Omer Rabbi Yonason, Minayin Ligzal Din Sheishi Moshua Sheino Mitkarea." When Hashem makes a gezera, when Hashem makes a decree and attaches an oath to it, 
It cannot be undone. Where do we know that from Shinea Mala? You'll see there's no way to come back from that. Omar Rabbo says, says Rabbo, not so, not so quick. One second. Let's read the post carefully. You cannot do tshuva using korbanot. But through the power of the study of Torah, you could, you could undo that decree, says Rabbo. Abaya Omer, Abaya says, um, Abayah says it's not, not only Torah that can do the kapara, gimilus chasodim, by doing chesed, you can also have a kapara. So as powerful as the korban is, as the sacrifice is, to bring kapara, to bring atonement, nevertheless, there are certain things when there's a shvua attached to a decree, where Hashem makes an oath in a decree, then atonement through the normal means of, of normal tshuva and kapora don't work. For that you need Torah and you need gemilus chasodim. In fact, Rabba and Abaya both were descendants of Eli. They were Kohanim and they were descendants of Eli. Rabba Rabba managed to live for 40 years. He died young, but not as young as the family of Eli generally died. He was able to live till the, period, till the age of 40 because he studied Torah. Abaya who also uh, invested effort in Gemilus Chasodim, that doesn't mean, of course, that Rabba didn't do Chesed. It just means Abaya made a profession of Chesed. He made a profession of, of Torah and he made a profession of Chesed, whereas, um, whereas Rabba's profession, profession was just Torah. Abaya, also a descendant of, of Eli, was able to live 60 years. So you see, they were able to undo the impact of this uh, and the of this decree, even though there was a shvua attached to the t to the decree, asks Tosfos. We learned in the Matmonim in Boed Cotton on Daf Kafches, back in, I think it was February this year. We learned the the the, the Gemara there, where the Gemara said, "Omar Rova." Rava said, it's Rava who speaks here, here as well, according to some, You might remember that was a very, very important shir, where Rava says that success in life, whether it's physical health, or it's family, or it's panosa, are not dependent on schut. It doesn't matter whether you're a tzaddik or not. There are tzaddikim who don't do well, in the, in, who are unsuccessful, and there are rishoyim who are successful. So what does it depend on? It depends on mazl. And then it goes on to say, The Gemara then makes a comparison, Rava makes a comparison between Rabbo and Rav Chista. And they were both great tzaddikim. And here we see the same Rabbo that we're talking about here. Rabbo lived 40 years and Rav Chista lived 92 years. And various other things that, that Rav Chista had enormous success and and Nachas in his family, things went very well for Rav Chista. Things went, were very difficult. Life was very hard for, for Rabba. Uh, and Rav says, so what, what is that? They're both tzaddikim. The mazel, it's mazel. And you'll remember we, we discussed the, uh, the, the Tosfus Yom Tov at the end of Kiddushin and the 
Tiferes Yisroel at the end of Kiddushin, where we define the word mazel, the Tiferes Yisroel defined the word mazel as being the confluence of circumstances that create a flow of a person's life. And, and one can work with that flow. You can't work against the flow. You've got to work with the flow. Everybody has a flow, and that flow is, is dictated by a confluence of events that go back hundreds of years, the events that made you who you are, that started hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And, and that creates your mazel, mazel from the word nozel, the Tiferes Israel said, it's a flow. That's what mazel means, it's a flow. It doesn't mean luck, it means it's the flow of life. And, and everybody has a flow. Uh, genetics will be one of them. Genetics will be one of the elements of mazel, as well as other circumstances that you, that you find yourself, where you're born, to who you're born, what schools you went to, where your grandparents came from and your great-grandparents, not just the genetic or even the epigenetic aspect of that, but even the, the environmental aspect of that and the effect that it had on you. So asks Tosfus, the Gemara there proves from Rabbah who only lived for 40 years that it's about Mazel. Maybe it didn't have to do with Mazel. It's because he was descended from Eli. Now, according to the Tiferes Yisrael, that, that question isn't really a, a strong question. Because according to the Tiferes Yisrael, being from B'nai Eli is part of your Mazel. That is the, the Mazel that we're talking about. Rova holds like Rabbo that Torah alone is enough to do Kapora. And Rabbo was such a great Talmud Chochem, dedicated to the learning of Torah. Clearly, he undid the Gezeira of Eli. And yet, he only lived for 40 years. Therefore, the Gemara wants to learn, as Tosfus as learns, the Gemara wants to say that the, uh, the reason Rabbo only learned for, lived for 40 years, that's Masel, that was his flow. That was the direction of his life, and that was, that was where it was. It, it, it wasn't about the, the curse of, of B'nai Eli. And that that's the power of Torah and of Gimilus Chasodim to even reverse a shvuah like the Bnei Eli, the shvuah that Hashem made, the oath that Hashem told Shmuel about, that I will never undo this curse on the family of, of Eli, they will die young, that'll be a curse in their family. Yet Torah and Gimilus Chasodim can reverse even that. How does that work? Says the Maharal, a very important Maharal, because what, what causes sin? Sin is caused by instinct. We, we sin. What is a yetzahara? Yetzahara is instinctual. Um, you have a survival instinct. You feel threatened. You feel scared. Um, you, you're driven by, by, by tava. You're driven by your physical drives. The, it's the physical survival system. It's our, our biological system that causes people to, do, to, to sin. And usually it has to do with, with defensiveness, when you feel threatened in some way or another. And, and we do certain things to try and avoid, avoid the threat. But in Torah, you elevate yourself into a different space. 
when you're learning Torah, there is no, no taiva and there's no... When you're learning Torah, you're in a different world. There's no defensiveness. There's no threat. There's no... You're not operating with enormous, normal fears of the world. And therefore, in operating in this different area, you're in an area that is sikhlit. You're in your mind's area. In your mind, there's no avera. Leaving aside that avera zora, there are things you can do with your mind. But generally, if in, in the area of the mind, you don't do anything wrong. Wrong is action. You hurt somebody, you curse somebody, you steal from somebody, you murder somebody. These are all actions. But in the mind, you can imagine you do these things, but you haven't actually done it. That's the power of the mind. Um, and therefore, you'll see that with Torah, it's nivdelet minachet. V'chein mitkaper b'gimilut chasadim. Because b'al gimilut chasadim, yesh bo hatov u'mashpia hatov v'achesed l'acher, u'vezehu mesulak minachomri, ki achomri hu mekabel ve'ena mashpia klal. It is the nature of instinct to take, not to give. It's the nature of instinct to protect, to gather, to take in, to hold in. That's the nature of instinct. And our animal system drives us to do that, to, to take and to protect. And because we're trying to protect, we'll lash out at somebody, we'll be deceitful in a particular circle, because we're trying to get and to keep what we've got and to get more and more. That's the nature of instinct. That's the animalistic drive. That's the piece that Darwin understood. He looked at a human being as a sophisticated animal in the Matmonium from, from Shabbos and to Kuf Gimel. I speak about the difference between the, uh, the animalistic part of the human being and the human being after Matan Torah, what the Nachash's association with Chava did for humankind and how it degraded humankind, and how we recovered our supernatural levels at, at Har Sinai. And the supernatural level is to do chesed. It's not natural, as, as Darwin himself says, there's no natural explanation as to why a person should do his chesed at his own expense for somebody else. And we're not talking about, about chesed uh, well, let's take another thing. What about, what about korbonus? So we're seeing chesed can bring about kapara. Why? Because with chesed, you're being superhuman. You, what was being punished? What, you did something wrong with your natural being. When you become supernatural, you elevate yourself above the consequences of that natural thing. So when you, when you do a cheto, you do an averus, says the maral, that's because of our natural urges. When you elevate yourself above your natural urges, now you're not that person. So the person who was being punished, you were being punished for natural urges. But now you're living in a supernatural space. And there are two supernatural spaces in which you can choose to live. Torah and Gemilut Chasadim. Those are the two spaces in which you can live where you're supernatural. As Darwin himself says, don't understand why people do that. Why would somebody spend their life learning Torah? Darwin wouldn't be able to explain that. There's no survival of the fittest there. Why would a person do chesed for somebody else at their own expense? There's no survival of the fittest. Why would somebody do that? This explains the maral because we're able to elevate ourselves above that. And that brings the kapara. What about korbanot? Korbanot also is superhuman. So not really. The Rambam says korbanot is a natural human impulse. The Rambam says in Morinavit, it's a natural human impulse to bring sacrifices. And even the Oivdavodazora, the Greeks used to bring sacrifices to their gods. It's bribery. You want to bribe the gods or the Rebbeinu Shalom to, you're giving him gifts. You're giving it to somebody who has power, to a god, to the Rebbeinu Shalom. That's not superhuman. Bringing a sacrifice is not superhuman. Bringing a sacrifice is human. It's instinctual. 
because you're paying off the powers that be. Ultimately, that's what you're doing with a korban. With Gminus Chasodim, you do Gminus Chasodim to somebody who does not have power over you. You do, you do Chesed to somebody who's just an ordinary person. You empathize with them. If you're doing Chesed with, the, with a judge, or you're doing Chesed with the president or the prime minister, that Chesed is suspect. Is it really Chesed or is it a bribe? And we have all these cases all the time. They give gifts to these people of power. Is it, is it friendship or is it bribery? It's almost always bribery. There's an element of bribery when you're doing that with a person of power. Chesed is not about giving gifts to people of power. And Chesed is not about korbanot. Chesed is about a superhuman action that the social scientists are not able to explain. Why would one do Chesed to another person at your own expense, at the expense of your family? Why would you sit and learn Torah when you could be making money? Why would one do that? That's superhuman. And if one can elevate oneself into that superhuman realm, then the Gezerot no longer apply to you because the Gezerot, the God's decrees are part of the natural realm, not the supernatural realm. And once you've elevated yourself, you've escaped the force of those decrees. It's not that you've undone the decree. You've escaped from the from the influence of those decrees, and you find yourself in a, in a completely different place. And therefore, even though the Hashem says that there's, uh, uh, I, I, he swears in Yitkaper Avon Beit Eli Bezevach Vemincha Adolam, explains Rabbi Bezevach Vemincha Ino Mitkaper, Avon Mitkaperu Bedivretero, according to Abaya, Mitkaper Begminus Chasodim, using Divretero and Gminus Chasodim, we can overpower even the most negative of decrees and free ourselves from their influence.